The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm here with Leah Hirschfeld. Yay! Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Am I your first one on today? You're the first one on. You're right at the the top of the show. Now, normally we have we show a little thing um, for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, but Nancy uh, is not with us today, and uh, we're sending her our love, but she's not with us today, and so we're just jumping right in, and we we love to have you right at the, the top of the show, uh, but I just want to pause for just a second and say that there are lots of different ways for you guys to reach out if you have questions, comments, concerns. Um, you might be watching us live right now on Facebook and our, or on YouTube, and you can write in questions right directly there. You could be watching us live on autism-live.com, and there's a place where you can write, there's a chat button, and you can write in there as well. I think that's working again today. I'm not 100% sure, but I think we've had so many problems this week, Lee. <laughs> so, um, but also later on, you can, uh, we're a free download on iTunes. You can listen to us on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, or on Deezer. So uh, do check us out in all of those places and feel free to write in. So Leah, how have you been? We haven't seen you in a month. I'm good. Um, I First off, I didn't know that um, people could access us in all those sorts of different ways. That's very exciting. And, a and it's all free. It's all free. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty cool. And, uh, and we are now, uh, people are translating us into different languages and uh, we're looking at at doing more of that. So um, it's a pretty, pretty impressive thing. I, I, I gotta say it's what our fans have been doing, not what we've been doing. So that's a, that's a fun thing, but um, tell the, the viewers about you and, and what role you play at the center for autism and related disorders and, and why we look forward to having you back as a regular guest. Well, I very much appreciate that you look forward to it. Um, I can't explain that one. That one just seems luck oh, for me. <laughs> you're great. You're great. Thank you. That's why I come on. I just come on so I get showered with praise. Um, <laughs> no, but so I'm, I'm Leah. I'm a research coordinator here at the Center for Autism Related Disorders. And so what that means is that I work with our research and development team, which is amazing, like the rest of CARD. Um, and we get this really cool job where we get to answer a bunch of people's questions with empirical research studies, um, both with, you know, research that other people have done and then also some of the research we do here at CARD. Um, so people can ask us lots of questions. Our clinicians ask us, our parents ask us, um, our, you know, our general board and um, C-suite people, everyone asks different questions. And we work on trying our best to answer those with research and data-driven um data points that was a bad explanation of data but um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah but so I think, you know do. I mean I wonder like you know like for anyone in a field like once you reach a certain level and you're working in that field how you stay updated the new things that come out and you know do you have to and people we know that people go to conferences and they they get continuing education but just the run-of-the-mill, everyday kinds of, because so much research comes out on a regular basis, 
And how do you get up to date with that? And the truth of the matter is, is that you guys, you guys do that internally for everyone in such a wonderful way, but we love having you come here to tell us. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's always such a highlight, honestly. It's so much fun to be here with you, Shannon, and just, it's such a wonderful thing that you do, um, and, and Nancy and everyone else. So I'm so thrilled, um, and I'm so thrilled that you guys enjoy this here. <laughs> um, so I have a very cool article that I'm just, I got, I got like very giddy rereading it this morning. Um, so I took a break from our COVID research. There's lots of COVID research going on, and anyone watching, if you have any questions about anything that's going on with telehealth, um, which is, you know, remote therapy that's going on, things like that, write in, we can absolutely answer that. But I thought there's been a lot of that and it'd be nice to maybe just talk about some other stuff that's not pandemic related. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that would be a break. So one of the articles that, um, there's a journal that I love that's called Autism Research and it's published by this fantastic group called the International Society for Autism Research or INSAR. They do a conference every year, this year, it's remote. Um, I think actually a bunch of their posters are now online because they transitioned to that kind of platform and, and whatnot, but super great group, um, really cutting edge stuff. I think I've come on here before and probably extolled their virtues, um, but they recently published back in May. So two months ago, three months ago, an article about girls on the autism spectrum disorder. Um, so it's called recognition of girls on the autism spectrum by primary school educators. And it's by Whitlock, Whitlock and her colleagues um, back in the UK. I say back like, I don't know why I say back there, but back in the UK. Um, and it's super interesting. We don't get to see that much research being done on girls because they're not as diagnosed as frequently. Um, and that's what Whitlock and her colleagues want to talk about. They're exploring kind of why girls aren't diagnosed as much. Is it because really girls don't have autism as much? Or is there a gender bias here? And is it something like that? So really interesting. And I just, I, it was so cool. I've got to tell you, I'm just like very excited. I want, I have to slow down because I just want to tell you what the results are, but I have to explain why this is important. So, okay. <laughs> um, so first off, it's really important that we talk about girls. Um, so girls tend to, and this is all new information to me. I don't know that much about girls um, diagnosed with autism and things like that, because it does tend to be seen as like a male disorder um yes but it's, it's what it's it's four out of five are um are male versus the so it's the one out of five that's the female absolutely but so Whitlock and her colleagues are kind of exploring is that are those true numbers basically is, right. are those accurate numbers um and this is this tends to be a problem for for girls so they tend to receive their diagnosis later than boys who are diagnosed with autism even though they report the same age of first concern so you might have a girl and a boy, and at 15 months, you're like, ooh, this isn't looking how kind of I expected, but girls are getting their diagnosis later, which is super interesting. Mm. Um, among girls and boys with similarly high level of autistic traits, um, girls are less likely to receive an autism diagnosis. And on top of that, the girls that are diagnosed with autism tend to have more autistic traits than boys diagnosed with autism. Um, really? Uh, uh, this is all very new to me, Shannon, as well. When I was reading this introduction of this paper, I was like, whoa, I didn't know any of this. Um, so very interesting. And Whitlock and her colleagues kind of draw a possible conclusion that, you know, if girls with autism need to have higher levels of autistic traits, um, then that might suggest that in order to get a diagnosis, they have to have a more severe autistic difficulties, 
um, and, th and, and things like that. So very interesting that there's this kind of failure here. Um, yes. And so then Whitlock were asking why? Well, there seems to be a lack of understanding of how females present autism and, and what they call a female autism phenotype, which is just basically a very fancy way to say how girls present when, they di when they're diagnosed with autism versus yeah. the male one, right? So we very much know what male autism phenotype looks like. It's those restricted repetitive behaviors. All they wanna do is talk about maybe trains or math or outer space and, and whatnot. But what does that look like with girls? So it's very interesting. Girls present very differently than males sometimes. Not all the times this is not inclusive, but um, tend to, to present differently. So girls with autism tend to show higher social motivation compared to autistic males. So they might be more interested, they might appear to be more interested in friends, friendships and other relationships. So for example, they might have one very, very good friend, but not have any others. Where males tend to not have, maybe have a difficult time getting any kind of friends, right? Yeah. So yeah. super interesting there. Um, also individuals with autism often experience a co-occurring emotional behavioral difficulties. For males, they tend to externalize it, while females might internalize it to something that looks like anxiety or eating disorders, which is a little harder to maybe spot. Super interesting. And then on top of that, those restrictive and repetitive behaviors I just mentioned, in males, we kind of expect, well, we kind of know what those might look like. For females, those might be ones that are more likely to be socially focused and normative like animals or pop stars, right? So that, oh, that's fine. That's okay to talk about. But whereas with ones that we see in males, we kind of know what those look like. Um, so super interesting, really like very much research needs to be done in this. And Whitlock and their team were amazing. Um, and then the next question is, well, why did you look at primary school educators, right? Well, so Whitlock and her team think that primary school educators, and they make, I think, a fairly compelling argument here, are the gatekeepers to assessment for autism, right? Especially at that early age, at preschool, first grade, kindergarten, you know, and those primary school educators are the ones who a lot of the times are the first ones to raise their hands and say, you know, we need yeah. to seek help within the school. We need to consult the wider educational system. We need to get additional input from additional health professionals. So that's mm -hmm. why they're really interested in looking at these primary educators. And now I get to go to the study. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so. After all of this, what did Whitlock and her team do? Well, so they looked at, they recruited almost 290, 289 primary school educators through social media advertisements. Um, and they were pretty loose with how, who was included. So as long as you had received or were receiving training to teach in a primary school. So they did get about 87% of credentialed teachers, but they also got teaching assistants, teachers that were in training, and they excluded anyone who was in an administrative role, like principal. Okay. Um, and then they had their participants read four vignettes, four little stories, and answer questions based on the content. The vignettes were about fictional characters, and they depicted male autism phenotype, kind of what everyone, I think, kind of naturally thinks of. The female right. autism phenotype, which is a little bit different, and then separation anxiety and ADHD. And you might ask, why did you include those? So... One of the reasons we, they included them, I say we, I'm getting so excited about the research, I had nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons they included them was to have distractors. So we, they, again with that we, so <laughs> they wanted to make sure that people who were reading these vignettes weren't like, oh, are you guys asking about autism? Because that can skew the results. 
So they right. added separation anxiety and ADHD so that they had those distractors. And in, you know, they did a lot of consulting with um, teachers and educators and things. And they found that separation anxiety and ADHD were common, um, I don't want to say disorders, but diagnoses or, or whatnot that um, teachers frequently saw as well. Um, yeah, makes so sense. After, totally. Um, I, and I just love this study. It's so clean and organized. Like we, I'm following it, right? Like I got it. You said four vignettes, no problem. So right. after each vignette, respondents were asked to rate the likelihood the child depicted above had the above disorder um, and how likely they were to seek additional support. You know, how likely were they to raise their hand and say, you know, let's double check and see what's going on. Yeah. So very straightforward so far. And all they did now after that was they assigned the vignette to a child's name. And they said either the vignette was attached to a Jack or a Chloe, either a male or a female. And they did that with all of those. So that typical male autism phenotype, they either, it was random, you either got that attached to a Jack or a Chloe. Female autism phenotype, you either got a Jack or a Chloe. And that was all they changed was just the name. And they okay. made sure that all the vignettes had as, mu as much as possible gender neutral um, things. So the child might be, um, really into Harry Potter instead of really into trains or dolls. Okay. And that's all they did. They just changed the name. So okay. um, they also asked participants about personal experience of autism and, and whatnot, but um, super, super interesting um, how they just changed the name. And if, if you don't mind, I would love to share a yeah. visual here because I think it really speaks to it. Um, so can you guys all see that? We can see that. Perfect. So this is um, a figure where they said rated likelihood of autism diagnosis as a function of the vignette. So basically, that first line is the female phenotype with a female name associated. So you got the female phenotype associated to Chloe. That second one, and there's a huge jump, is that same exact female phenotype vignette, that same exact story about that same fictional child, except all they did was say it was a jack. Uh, and so, so you see here that the rated likelihood of autism by the respondents was, I, I, I don't have the exact number right here, but 55%. And then these lines over here are the confidence interval, which just right. generally means if you did this again, where do we think these would fall? Um, so anywhere between 50 to, or I guess that's 51, probably to about 58%, right? That with that female phenotype and that female na name was rated likelihood of autism. You change that name, you just say that that kid is now Jack, same exact kid, but it's just yeah. Jack. All of a sudden, this rated likelihood of autism jumps to yeah. another plus 10% points. And then on top of that, when you do the male phenotype, which is our quintessential, what we kind of expect, um, expect like um, description of autism, when you change that and you just and you make that Chloe and Jack, there's almost no difference. So interesting. So interesting. So what this is basically, and, and there's some limitations, we'll get into it. We always talk about the limitations. But one of the takeaways here, right, is that female phenotypes are maybe just not as well known. And yeah. or again, like we talked about, it's, it's a male disorder. We expect to see it with males. So we're primed when we see all males or that male phenotype that we expect, we know what to look for. But when you have a female with a female presentation, it is going undiagnosed, un a likelihood undiagnosed, or at least much less so than 
the other genders and the other expectations. Yeah. So super, super interesting. Um, and I, I just think it's really cool. Um, and it's, it's such a clean study. It's really very, it's so clean and so lovely. Um, and I'll talk quickly about the limitations, you know, they also did an amazing job very much lining out their limitations. Um, so they used depictions of hypothetical children, um, rather than real life. And they did estimations, right? They asked the educators how they would respond rather than checking on their actual behavior. Um, they also have some, and I love this point that they put in here. They talk about how it's a binary view of gender. They only did male and female. So further research should incorporate other gender diversity perspectives. But this is really one of the first studies that's coming out like this. So they just kind of wanted to limit that. Um, also, and I actually, I don't know if I agree that this limitation, I think this is lovely, but they have it as a limitation was that um, they talk about, pri- they only looked at primary school teachers. They don't look at middle school and ed- higher education. And they have a pretty diverse group. So they had 87.5% were qualified teachers, but they also had those teaching assistants, they had teachers in training, and they had a varying level of experience. They weren't all, you know, like tenured, 40 year plus people. They were anywhere from one year, less than a year to 42 years of educational experience. So it's a very broad category of educators rather than pinpointing exactly, you know, there's a problem in first grade teachers. but really interesting study, and I honestly, again, eye-opening. I've been with CARD, I think, for three and some change years. I've been on the research team now for a year plus, and I, I didn't know much about this, about how females present differently and that that phenotype is really different. And when I was reading that vignette, I've got to tell you, you know, they were explaining the female phenotype of this girl with a best friend but had problems with other making friends with the other kids. To me, I wouldn't immediately have been like, but with all the other things that they talk about, it's really eye-opening. It was really interesting. I got to say, we've talked before on the show about the girls are less likely to get diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but the, but the thing that we had always, the thing that everybody always hung their hat on was that it's because girls are so social, which you also touched on, but when what's very telling when you look at the graph is same behavior and we change the name to a boy. That's when we go, okay, we've got a problem here. And I think the takeaway for us is that, you know, there's always a big argument. I don't want to say a fight, but an argument during uh, the month of April about, is it autism awareness month or is it autism action month or is it autism acceptance? Like what is the A word that you need to do? And a lot of people go, look, we, you know, awareness is done. We've already, we pressed to that. It's time to do something about it. But this reminds us that awareness is not done. We have work to do. We have work to do. It's very, and, and to that point too, I mean, if you read about it in the article and I, I skimmed over this, but they also, they, they used a, an, an adult who has autism as someone to talk to also through this. So they're, there's so much awareness and there's so much thought, but clearly this is still very much, you know, uh, four and five are males. And what does this look like with males? And it, there's this, it, and, and I think appropriately so, right? Like there's no difference between men and women, which I think is true a lot of the times, but clearly this is presenting very differently yeah. in women. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, thank you so much for that research. Where can they find it if they want to look at the whole thing? Um, so it is on INSAR, that um, international, and I want to say this right, because I, I always mess this up, International Society for Autism Research. It's on their website. 
um, in the journal Autism Research. I don't know if this one was open source, meaning that it's access to everyone, so they might have to pay for that um, to be able to access the full PDF. At the very least, they'll be able to see the abstract. And the journal um, Autism Research does, a, and a number of journals do, but Autism Research does a really lovely job giving a high-level abstract for those in the field. And then they do something called a lay abstract, which yeah. is four or five sentences that are written basically for anyone, for parents, for teachers, for anyone and anywhere. It should be very easy to comprehend it and without that whole scientific jargon of confidence intervals, whatever. Um, so we've had a question come in, um, which I would be surprised if you would know the answer to, but it might be something to go hunt down. Uh, the question is, do women doctors diagnose more girls than men doctors? I don't know. Um, and actually, I would be a little surprised if there was research on that, just because, again, there I don't think there's a ton. And please don't quote me on this. I say this now on Autism Live and, and whatnot. But um, I don't think there's a ton of research being published just yet on girls because again, because it's four out of five males, it's a lot harder um, yeah. to, to find those participants and, and whatnot. So I don't know if there would be research on that, but it's certainly, it would not be hard to do a study on that. Um, and interesting. very interesting. Yeah, it's a great question. question. I don't know the answer. And yeah. all research starts with a good question. So, uh, so there you go there, uh, you know, if you find anything or if you hear anything, let us know about that. Please. Wonderful. And if people have further questions for you, where should they contact you? Yeah. Um, they can reach us at research at centerforautism.com. Um, that is our general research email. So you'll get, you could get me, you could get some of our research managers. Um, but we check that email pretty frequently. Um, and ask us anything. It, it can be about this. And, and like I said, I don't know how much research out there. Um, we can explain more about this study and or again, you know, COVID is still with us. So if there's yeah. anything about COVID, about telehealth, um, anything like that, send it our way. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting study that was nice to not talk about COVID for a little bit for 20 yeah. minutes. Oh. I will tell you that our viewers and I want to know what the research, if any research was done about effective distance learning, not telehealth, I'm talking about school, because right now we are in a, a poop storm about school and going back to school and are, are we putting kids all the way back in school, hybrid or doing distance learning? And there's a lot of disagreement about it. I'd love to know about um, places that did distance learning and had it work well. Let me write that down as I go off camera so I can grab a piece of paper okay. and remember this. Um, that's that's me, what I'd love to know. Let me write that down. Um, I can tell you, there's a few parts to, to answer that question. Um, I can follow up with you um, and yes. maybe we can, I can come back on or, or you can explain it. Yeah. Um, there is probably research on that. Distance learning, not necessarily because of the pandemic, but also because mm -hmm. distance learning was something that was being done in rural areas yes. so um like australia for example has a ton of children who are in the outback and just can't have access to that to schools and whatnot so they do distance learning um yes. as a way of life um so there is probably research out there that demonstrates efficacy or not of distance yeah. learning um independent of covid and things like that there also might be stuff being done because of covid um and I can also tell you that there is work being done to also show 
telehealth uh, uh, oh, yeah. as well. Um, so all of that therapy. Yeah, mm -hmm, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I can get back to you about distance learning. I'm sure I can find information about that for you and your, and your viewers. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, part of what's happening in the world right now is that um, I do think that a lot of educators were not educated about distance learning when all of a sudden they had 24 hours to, to get their classroom moved online. And some people like were amazing and other people went for the least thing that they could do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And schools across the board didn't have the infrastructure to host the classes. So a lot of schools not all, but some schools met less often. And this is what the big controversy is about. What we're being told right now is that they have to go back to school because they can't do as many hours distance learning, which I believe to be poppycock. But that's my question. Because no, I mean, like you said, Australia has been doing it. And look, if you can accomplish online um, what took you eight hours to do in six hours, great. But otherwise you know, meet for the eight hours to get the eight hours worth. I don't know why everybody decided that it needed to be less hours for the kids because the kids couldn't hang. Um, I just think that's not creative, but that's me. And I'd love to see the research. So there we go. Uh, inquiring minds want to know. But anyway, uh, we adore you and you are such a light and we love when you come on here and we love how excited you get about it. Um, that's it's easy favorite. to get excited when there's such good research out there. Well, you know, and that's exciting because I, it always makes my heart feel better to know that there's people like you working in the field who like get that excited about things, learning about our kids learning. That just makes my day, honestly. I, I would just like to clone you. And I know that there are, you're not the only person who gets excited about it. I've been in a room full of people when you pull out a graph and they all lose their minds. And I go, I don't understand you people, but I sure appreciate you. Uh, so thank you. And thank you for coming on here and explaining to, uh, to us in a way that we can understand. Thank you guys. Um, you know, Shannon, you, you're so amazing and your viewers are amazing. And I think all the parents right now are just incredible. So oh, I thank agree you with guys. you. The parents are amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you guys so much. Have a all great, right. great Friday. Bye y'all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. You guys. So I promised you that today on the show that we would be talking about some of the things that your kiddos can do over the summer. And I do have a whole PowerPoint where I'm going to list a bunch of different resources and we're going to make the PowerPoint um, available to people when, when I do next week's thing where I'm going to be sending out, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, I'm going to try to do this. I actually can't promise it, but when I send out the schedule for next week to our people who are registered, when you, why can't I think of what the word is? Um, when, when you're on our website, autism-live.com, um, a thing pops up that says, you know, would you like to be on our mailing list? And so for those of you who are on the mailing list, I'm going to be trying to send that out to you, the PowerPoint, but I'm also going to try to show it to you so that you can, and if you aren't on the mailing list, that's okay. You can pause it to find the research, uh, the resources, but they're clickable when you get the, the PowerPoint. It's just that much easier. Um, but one of the resources that we have on the PowerPoint is... Um, uh, we have all these classes and camps and things that are available online during the summer. Some of them are free and some of them have a cost. Um, and one of the ones that does have a cost, but that I particularly love 
um, is the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum. This is a wonderful, wonderful theater that is here in Los Angeles, and they do this amazing teen uh, and younger kids too program during the summer that's Shakespeare and some not Shakespeare. And it was always something that I was interested in having my son to do uh, what we lived further away and you have to go up a mountain and this summer it's online. You don't even have to be in Los Angeles. It's not right for everybody, but we have joining us right now, Cindy Kenya. She's one of the teachers. Uh, she's a fabulous actress. Um, and so Trayvon, go ahead. And if you want to have her um, join us uh, so that we can have her talk a little bit about what the Will Year Theatricum Botanicum is. And if that name sounds familiar to you, the Will, Will Year, we'll have her talk a little bit about that. There's Cindy. Hi, Hello. Cindy. How are you? It's so good to volume up a little. Oh, that's down. Okay. Here's up so I can hear everything. Yes, there we that's go. Wonderful. And I was just uh, saying what a fabulous actress you are. Oh, thank uh, you really remarkable actress. Um, and I was talking just uh, briefly about the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum. And so I was saying that if people think, they go, huh, that name Will Gear sounds familiar to me. Tell us a little bit about the, the theatrical, well, what, what do you guys say? How do you, what do you say for short when you're not going to say the whole thing? Just you theatricum. The, theatricum. Okay. Right. But who was, who was Will Gear? Well, those of us of a certain age, uh, we'll remember uh, a very popular family show called The Waltons. And uh, it's on, uh, you know, Me Decade channel and all those uh, old TV show channels. Um, but it, uh, he was Grandpa Walton on that show. So he was- And I, I loved The Waltons. I, yes. I grew up on The Waltons, loved The Waltons. So loved, 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 loved him. But, you know, I mean, he was an actor and that was yes. one of the roles he played. Yes, he had been in many, many Westerns. He was a big Western because he had the beard and, you know, and he started out um, as a theater actor and then went into Westerns. And how he we got the property in Topanga Canyon was- he had bought the property because he was a horticulturist. He, um, at the University of Chicago, he was a horticulture major. And he bought the property in the 50s at the height of his Western career. And you can imagine what the canyon was like, Topanga Canyon was like in the 50s, you know, because he was going to grow things, you know. And they had a nice house in Santa Monica. And then the um, McCarthy happened. <laughs> And uh, Will had been union organizing with Cesar Chavez and Woody Guthrie on the West Coast and traveling all over the country union organizing. And he was blacklisted along with many, many others out, out here in uh, Los Angeles. So he had this property out there. So they had to sell their home in Santa Monica because the work dried up and they lived, they built a little shack on the property they sold vegetables by the side of the road, but more importantly, they built a theater out of um, an old Santa Monica pier that you railroad ties and wood from an old pier. And so, and it's basically the same thing, Rao, but it's been remodeled and I mean, redone a little bit, not remodeled, but we have a beautiful outdoor theater uh, set in the hillside. You know, the upstage wall is the hill and we're in the canyon, 300 seats. It's very gorgeous. Of course, we're not there right now. Yes. But anyway, so Will and Woody Guthrie and, and his Will's family built um, the theater out there in the um, 60s. 
And then, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know this, but um, we we went up there. We were we almost got married there. Oh, um, yes, you have a lot of weddings. <laughs> we, toured, we toured it. We ended up getting married at a at an indoor theater um, because my mom uh, was still alive then and was handicapped, and so it, it was going to be a little challenging in terms right. of wheelchair and stuff at the wheel gear. I, I'm sure that you guys have changed that since then because that yeah. was almost yeah. four years ago. Yeah. But so we, it's so beautiful, you guys. If you're looking for an outdoor wedding in Los Angeles, I mean, it's just stunning. I, I always feel a little bit like, oh, we should have done it up there. But, you know, we, we just couldn't. We just couldn't. And it's beautiful to see theater there, to see Shakespeare under the stars. And it's, it's just gorgeous. So when this is all over, <laughs> yes. I invite everyone to come to the theater and see a show there or take a class there. It's wonderful. Our, oh. It's wonderful and which is part of why you're here is to talk about classes. You guys do a yeah. wide range of classes normally. What's the youngest age ever that you do class? Well, we have a young people's camp usually, and it's ages uh, four to seven. And they, they're so adorable. Um, I don't run that particular little camp, but I watch them all the time. And I, I come so to cute. Queen Elizabeth. I for their um, special special day. I dress up as Queen Elizabeth and visit Fabulous. Them. But uh, they are so cute, you know, and they do uh, combat with foam swords and puppets uh-huh. and Shakespeare uh, lines. They do this whole thing where they do Shakespeare lines and then they show off what they know about Shakespeare. And, uh, it's it. adorable. So that's the youngest, four, I would say. <laughs> wow, which is and amazing. And then we go through adults. We have adult classes as well. So we, I mean, I really run the youth at all ages like eight to 18 that that group but we have the little kids and then we have a great adult program my son is taking a class right now with them so love it but normally you do that in person yes and nothing is normal right now and i want to say throughout this that um because in a minute i'm going to share when we're done with cindy i'm going to share a bunch of resources some of which um, are specifically for autism. And I want to be abundantly clear that this program is not an autism program. This is a, a, this is a theater camp. It's, you know, it is for the world. And so it is not going to be appropriate for all of our kids. But sometimes some of our kids who, A, have a particular interest in theater and, and also in Shakespeare. We um, have a lot of uh, theater Aspie experts yes and 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 they for those kiddos if there is a strong desire to do it and if they have some skills but are leaning towards that aspie end of things this is a great mainstream program to put those kiddos into because they are exceptionally welcome and i think that you have people on the staff yourself included who know a great deal about autism and they're a perfect fit for that. And it's a great opportunity for them to be doing theater with neurotypical peers. Absolutely. We have always, even in, even in person, we would say, I would say that our style of, of teaching has, and our mission statement has always lent itself to inclusion. And yes. our teachers are extremely adept because we also have an in the schools program um, where we go to schools and do a play and then do workshops or they come out to our theater and see a play on a field trip and we do workshops. So our theater, our teachers are exceptionally experienced um, in dealing with uh, all different kinds of learning styles and our learning 
our teaching style is, I mean, teaching styles and learning styles. Our teaching style is very nurturing. And when we're in person, we always have several uh, assistants. We have intern, a big intern program. So um, that works really, really well. Um, and then I think with the online program, it's even better. <laughs> it's That's even great better. to hear. I mean, as much as I find it challenging to teach acting on, on the Zoom, um, <laughs> if there are certain aspects of it, I have to say that, that even work better. And I think for our community, I have a son on the spectrum and he's older now. And, but when I first started at Theatricum as youth programs manager, first of all, I am the programs manager, but I also teach a lot in, in the program. And I, uh, I made my son go, you know, because I, I thought, well, he's there with me. And this was in not the uh, dark ages of autism research, but, um, and autism resources, I mean, but semi-dark ages when there was be nothing for your child to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and, but now, and we're going to see in a minute that there's a bunch of things to oh. do, but I, but I sort of, I want people to know that this is not the first, I, I, this, I would not recommend this program if you're, if you're like, oh, I don't know if my kid wants to act or not. I don't know if they're into Shakespeare. I don't know. Like, I don't think that this is the program for, for that. But this is the program when you have the kiddo who is super excited and motivated about this kind of thing. This is exactly. But I also want to say that on the online classes, we have totally expanded because yeah. doing a play and scene work doesn't really work on the Zoom. Um, we've expanded our curriculum. So we do have uh, Shakespeare monologues, but we also have a modern monologue class. Yes. We have um, comedia and comedy characters, a class for that. And uh, we have a lot of music. A lot of the people at Theatricum are so talented musically. We have uh, an amazing instruments class. We have a ukulele class. We have a lyric writing class. I want to say also we have a playwriting class. The writing yes. classes work spectacularly on Zoom. Yes. Uh, because and, they, and, they do like in the chat section, like improv writing a scene. You know, they improv through the chat section, uh, wow. writing a scene and then all of a sudden, after a few minutes, they have a scene, at least the beginning of a scene, and then they go home and finish it whichever way they want. And you could see the scene then is finished by each kid in a different way. Right. So they, they know they're writing a play before they, they don't even know it, you know. Isn't that amazing? So, so these are all online. You've gone through the first section of them already. So I love, I love that you're telling me that it went so well. Um, next week starts your interim and that's where that one playwriting class is happening yeah. starting on Monday. But tell us, cause, and I know you just had a class that was, um, that was for playing games online where the whole family was welcome to come. Right. We have, um, we have family, we have a class called game night. Some of our classes are family oriented, yeah. um, and they got together as a family and they're playing every Friday night. So it's, you know, meeting for board right. games and stuff. So, Love it. So what so, else? Yeah, they can take that, a little more. The, they can take the contemporary monologue, the teenagers, with you. There's the Shakespeare monologue. What else are we missing? And they're all at different times of the day. Yes, we have. Um, well, we did it so that parents could build a day for their mm -hmm. kid if they wanted to, you know, all, or they could just pick and choose whatever classes 
they want, which, was which also is a great thing because in the summer <clears throat> in person, we pretty much just have camp, you know, and you're there right. all day and you're driving every day and you're, you know, and they're there yes. all day long. Whereas right. this, it's just, you can just have the, the one class a day if you want twice a week or, or you can build a day for them. We have Monday, Wednesday classes, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Friday. We also have a combat classes, which it's better. Like if you have two siblings, they mm -hmm. can, um, it's better if you join together with someone or a friend and um, they do stage combat. It was so fabulous. It was really fun. I, I just love how you guys are pushing the envelope on this. It's absolutely amazing. So we're, uh, we're, we're running out of time here, but where can they go to register for classes and see everything that's available, Cindy? Well, if they, you could just go to um, Theatricum, that's T-H-E-A-T-R-I-C-U-M. It's Latin, you know, Theatricum <laughs> and, and .com, and then just click education. You know, or you could Google Will Gear, you know, Theatricum and it would It'll come take up. It'll take you to the website. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you can find, I'm actually going to do a PowerPoint that has the website in it. In okay, cool. And you'll see my yeah. name under the education section, my email. And if you have any questions, um, please email me. And, and, and they're very affordable. I have to say yeah. We made them very affordable this summer because we know it's it's a hard time for everyone. And so there we're not it's really just barely you know, just covering our teachers, you know, that's what it what the fee is. So it's I, it's a great time. And if you do more than one class, you get a twenty-five dollars off the second and third class and stuff. So it's a really great time to to try us. And um it is because th this opportunity has never been there before. If you have the kiddo in New Jersey and you've always cried and been like, you know, why don't we have this here? Well, now you do this summer you do. And I don't know that you're ever going to have that opportunity again. So no, take, and if, take advantage of it. And if you have friends or relatives, people join together, you know, and yes. it's, it's so fun for them. You feel like they're taking a class with their cousin in Pittsburgh or whatever, you know. I absolutely love that. Well, I think it's remarkable. I think that you're remarkable. Uh, check it out, you guys, because it's one of the one of the many things that are available this summer that have never been available before. Anything yeah. else you want to say before we go, um, Cindy? I, I just want to say that we've always had a lot of um, young people um, of all ages on the spectrum in our classes and started with, with me welcoming them because of my son. And then the world has opened up a little more uh, resource-wise to them. And so our, our teachers are really great with them. So, and plus it's, it's, they're still at home. So it's yeah. something, uh, you know, you can always click your stop video button, you know, and yes. go away well, for I a little bit. You can take your own time out. Yes. But I think, you know, Temple Grandin has always said that one of the things that really helped her was theater training. And I, oh, think I believe we, it's wonderful for every child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and Cindy has been one of the best kept secrets here in Los Angeles that, um, you know, like once you're in the community here and your child is doing a certain, they're doing okay, and you're wanting to put them in a class that isn't all kids with autism, because let's face it, if your kid is doing well at a certain point, you want them in a camp that will be okay that will be something that they're interested in and that they have, that they're working with, 
you know, kid, kiddos who are not on the spectrum because we want them to be a part of the world, right? And and so it's always the hush, 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 you know, send them over to Cindy, send, in, send them to the Theatricum Botanicum because they know what they're doing there and they'll get that inclusive experience, but a really good, you know, the best of the best theater training um so that's remarkable and thank you for being part of our community and my son is is taking two of the classes starting uh next next week he's taking oh. not saying which so okay. you'll see I'll go soon. look it up okay <laughs> yeah. great thank you Shannon so much thank, thank you for being with us and thank you for everything Cindy okay. love bye. okay bye-bye so I've been promising you guys um, that I, I had done this uh, PowerPoint and I'm going to share my screen now and bring it up for you um, so that you can see, I put together a PowerPoint. I know I don't normally do this on, um, I want to do slideshow. I hope you guys are able to see this. Are, the, are you seeing this? Uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope from the beginning. Okay. And I'm going to go through this really quickly, but the fact of the matter is, is that this will be online and um, we're gonna try to send this out to those of you who subscribe. That's the word that I was looking for before. Um, and, um, uh, but you can pause it at any point so that you can get the information once the, the recording has gone through, right? Uh, but notice that I've got the disclaimer here that please research any camp. This is not, um, this is not us endorsing camps, um, but just telling you what's available, okay? So I'm gonna power through this because we've only got a few minutes here. Uh, okay, so first recommendation, because I know you guys are looking for the free stuff. The Ed Asner Family Center um, has free classes every day of the week, and they are free. And um, I especially love on Saturday nights, they have their movie chat with Chelsea Darnell, who we've had on the show for your teens and adults that you're looking for a social group. They announce what the movie is going to be on Monday. You have all week to watch it on Saturday. They get together and they discuss it. And it's all, I love this about it. It's all moderated by Chelsea, who is on the spectrum, but she's an amazing moderator and loves to talk about film. Also, if you are a California resident and you are looking for counseling for you or your family or any of your kiddos, they, um, in the state of California, they can offer you counseling on a sliding scale, but everyone can take the classes no matter where you are. If you can get on the internet, you can take the free classes and they've been recording them. So if you go on their website now, you could take classes, you could make yourself an intensive camp for the week um, because they have the classes that were recorded earlier. So I got to go faster than this. The Miracle Project, we've had Elaine Hall on here. Um, they have classes for ages five through 12 and then 13 and up. They do cost money, um, but they also have social skills classes. For those of you who are like, I got to get some social skills happening, um, definitely a place to check out. The links are there for you. Pause the screen so you can write them down if you need them. Um, here's a camp that I'm less familiar with, but it is free. Uh, it says dollar signs here, but it's a lie. It's free. It should say free there. Um, and they have weekly schedules and it's free. And in my understanding, it is especially for kids that are, it's all online um, and it's for um, kids that have special needs. So check them out, Camp Pivika, but it is free. That's a lie there, I misprint. Uh, there are several zoos that are doing programs and I have a couple of them listed here. If you don't like the ones that I have listed, look up the ones in your area, but the Bronx Zoo has um, some week-long programs that are available for you, powering through. How about virtual cooking camp? 
uh, ages four through 14. This, this link is not clickable because I did something wrong, but you can write it down. Um, and it's online and they can learn cooking. Exceptional Minds always does an amazing summer program. This is specifically for our kiddos on the autism spectrum, animation, 3D creation lab, movie magic, and game building in Unity. They take 12 and up and they're moving it online this summer. So check that out if your kiddo is interested in that kind of stuff. Uh, how about the Columbus Zoo? They also um, have amazing every day, two hours a day. They have, so that's the Columbus Zoo. But again, check your local zoo. How about the Kids Like Me virtual summer camps? This is from the help group. Normally that, that would just be available if you were in Los Angeles, but it's online this summer. It does cost money. It's for ages six through 21, but they have fun and fitness and a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, connected Camp, this is... Um, for ages eight through 13. They also have a camp that's just for girls. So that might be of interest to you as well as a week-long camp uh, that's 90 minutes a day. How about Code Ninjas, which is a place that normally does camps. This is mainstream camp, but they tend to do very well with kiddos on the autism spectrum and they learn by building video games and it's all online this summer. How about if you have a kiddo who's interested in horses, Quest Therapeutic Camps of Southern California has taken their program and put it online this summer, six through 18, where they're going to be doing eight weeks of hand-on and interactive, I don't know how you do hands-on with horses virtually, but they're going to, uh, recreational activities, but they include other kinds of therapy as well. So that's for your kiddos who are interested in horses. Pure Imagination, I love this one. Um, it's a place that normally does parties and camps and they have different themes. So there's the wizard camp if your kiddo likes Harry Potter or there's superhero camp or there's princess camp. And it's an hour a day for five days and you can do it, have, sign up a bunch of their friends from school and do it together, which is super cool. Camp Millhouse, I'm not really familiar with them, but they're a camp that's been in existence for a long time that is taking their program online this summer. It's based in Indiana. Uh, check them out. How about out school? I like this because the classes are from $10. So it's pretty affordable. Live online classes and camps uh, for ages three through 18 with lots of different um, things to offer. CSUN here in Southern California has a music therapy program. Normally um, it's in person. This summer it's online and it's free. So take a look at that. Uh, here we are, the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum. We just were talking with Cindy, ages nine through adult. Wide variety of classes, acting, playwriting, costuming even online this summer only. Uh, Zip Zap Zop, which is an improv and social group here in Los Angeles that is an offshoot of the program that um, if you've seen Asperger's or Us, those young men came from a program that is an offshoot of, it's the mothership of Zip Zap Zop. So um, they're going online this summer too, ages seven through 13. It's uh, comic improv and social skills. So if you're looking for that, uh, check out Zip Zap Zop. How about Project Scientists weekly camps? They're mostly sold out. I got to be honest, they only have stuff for the end of the summer. So if you want that, grab it up now. Each week is a different theme. So you'd want to get on their website right away. Coder School, another coding place um, to because a lot of our kids love Minecraft and that kind of thing. Might as well put that to good use, right? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Woodcraft Rangers, if you have somebody who likes to craft, what's cool about this one is that they have projects and they deliver them to your door. 
And if you're a part of the camp, then you're putting it together, the project that they're all doing, and you can involve the entire family. ID tech virtual camps. This is pretty hardcore tech stuff. If you've got a kiddo who's really into this, um, it's a, you know, they've done in-person camps. They're doing it online now, but um, I know people that have done this before. It's pretty hardcore. Your kid's got to be pretty advanced. Um, but for those kiddos, that could be a really good one. How about the New York Film Academy online camps, ages 10 through 17, doing animation, acting, screenwriting, and more. Super fun. California Science Center. A lot of museums are doing online programs, and this is a really cool one. Uh, if you have a teenager, this is just for high school students trying to get them ready for the world and for college. It's a two-week program intensive online. And of course, I love Khan Academy. Whatever it is that your child wants to learn, whether it's something fun or curriculum, ages two through 18, it's free. Um, check it out. It's the best of the best of the best. I do. I mean, I'm endorsing them. Uh, I put Fusion Global Academy on here because um, for those of you who feel that you missed a lot and you want to get caught up, this is for grades six through 12 for the older kids. They do one-on-one. -on -one. They have everything from art classes through the classes that they need to be caught up on or get started for the fall. It's expensive. That's why I put the dollar signs there twice. It is expensive, but it's good. Uh, comes with a lot of recommendations. Okay, uh, I put I listed a bunch of vir virtual tours, um, and they're all clickable. So I I'm not going to leave it up for very long. Um, but you can go back and watch the video and freeze it here to find all the things you want. And it's for every. Some of them are redundant. They'll they'll have like here's ten places that you can go, and the next one is twelve. Well, six of them are the same, but six aren't. So uh, every museum and every thing that's virtual is pretty much here in these resources right here. And I think that's it. Uh, I ran through those really quickly, you guys, um, but we're about to be out of time. I hope that what that does is just opens your mind and goes, oh, look, there's a lot. Because that was me just doing a cursory, like what's available uh, and looking at the emails of things that people had sent me saying, oh, here's a really good program. Um, I could have gone on and I could have listed a hundred things. So uh, I hope that gives you an idea of what's possible. But what I would encourage you to do now is to look in your area or look in the area that is specific to what your child's interests are. So for instance, I didn't know that there was an online Harry Potter camp this summer. Um, but my son had done a Harry Potter camp when he was little and just loved it. And he was not into Harry Potter when he started it. Right. So ask yourself, you know, what, like, if I were just going to dream, like, what would be the thing when, when Jem was younger, I really wanted him to have a welding class, but he was, nobody would take him. He was too young. Um, so, you know, now I would be like, oh, is there an online welding class? And he's passed it now, you know, so instead we're doing, you know, uh, more theatrical stuff, to be honest with you, but I could go online and go, is there an online welding camp um, and I'll bet there is, I'll bet there is because these places, this is what they do. This is what their livelihood is. They still want to connect with your kiddos and they still want to make a living. So everybody's moving online. I'm just saying, take advantage of it, search, find something. And even if you, even if there's no money, let me, you know, there were a couple of, of camps there that I gave you that were free. So take advantage, do something um, because we will never have this opportunity again. 
never have this many choices to do things online in the summer. I, unless I'm completely wrong, but you know, on the off chance that I'm right, take advantage of it this summer. Now I need to give you guys a little announcement. We're down to the last three minutes, but um, it's, I want you to take a break this summer and have your kiddos doing camp and having a really good time and doing something different because it's the summer. This is when we do this. So I, I as a good team leader, I got to give my team, myself included, a little bit of a break too. So all of next week, we are going to be here with pre-recorded shows. We're giving you the best of the best of the best. Normally, we would have done this for two or three weeks during the summer so that everybody could, so that we can refresh and we start to work on our toy guide and, and other things. So um, we've been trying not to go to recorded shows for you because we feel like you need the connection, but I got to do it for at least a week, you guys. We got to give Traven a break, first of all, and I need one too. Can I fess up to that? So we're not going to be here live next week and we're not going to be answering comments next week, but I hope that you'll still check out what, what Traven's prepared for you because it's off the chain, off the hook, whatever the phrase is. Um, he did a really good job. So uh, I will miss you. And of course, I'll still, you know, poke around on Facebook a little bit from time to time. Um, and so if you need me, reach out to me via Facebook. But um, we're going to be back the week after and we are just going to rip this apart, right? <laughs> I will be refreshed and we will have more things to talk about and more things to share with you. Dr. Doreen will be back. Temple Grandin has promised to come back. We will have a super time. Uh, so all of that is, is coming up week after next. I will miss you the entire time that I'm there. And I, I do find anytime I take more than four days off, it's like, I got to get back. I got, I, I miss those people. I got to talk to them. Um, so don't be afraid. We will definitely be back and we will still have our regu regularly scheduled shows. It's just that they're not going to be live. I know sometimes you guys write in and go, is it live? Is it live? We've been live all summer, except when we've done the, the Temple Grandin marathons over holiday weekends. We've been live all summer, but next weekend we're taking a pause, taking a beat. We will not be live, uh, but we will be back the following Monday and Bonnie will be back with us on that Monday. So until then, uh, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you to have a lovely week. We'll see you. Heaven knows what my hair will look like then. I will probably be bald. All right. Until then. Bye-bye you guys. Bye-bye.